There's a difference between do it yourself and do it for a living. At the Home Depot, we get that. And we're here to help pros get the job done with the products and brands you trust. Technology to keep your job on track. Job site delivery to save you time. And bulk pricing on over 4,000 items every day to save you money. When you've got a job, we're on the job. The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. There's a difference between do it yourself and do it for a living. At the Home Depot, we get that. And we're here to help pros get the job done with the products and brands you trust. Technology to keep your job on track. Job site delivery to save you time. And bulk pricing on over 4,000 items every day to save you money. When you've got a job, we're on the job. The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. From a home studio in beautiful Dayton, Ohio, it's time for Mike Talks Funny. Brought to you by Eventide Entertainment. Tonight, comedian Kelly Horan and music from Literary Squirrel. And now, here he is. Put your pants back on. It's your host, Mike Shay. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Mike Talks Funny. I'm your host, Mike Shea, and it, uh, we're sorry we missed last week. Uh, last week was my dad's birthday, and we were just taking the week off to remember my dad and celebrate his birthday and just be together as a family, so I appreciate you guys being patient with me. Uh, so I want to talk about, oh man, there's some there's some good stuff going on right now. Uh, first of all, I guess let's do a little bit of a, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, so remember, guys, Sunday, December sixteenth. That's this coming Sunday. I will be performing at Wiley's Comedy Club as part of the Toy Drive Comedy Show, along with a great, great cast of characters. You'll get to see me along with a great group of comedians like Mike Canistero, Luke Capasso, Larry Hansgen. Dusty Harvey, Keith Irvin, Raymond Jackson, Karen Jaffe, Nate Washington, Michael Wells, and Jack Wilson. Now, if you want to get in, it's pretty simple. All you got to do is bring in a new children's coloring book or small toy or a children's book, um, and, and that'll get you in. Or you can reserve your seats online at Wiley'sComedy.com. Call 937-224-JOKE, and you'll be able to get in there. Remember, there is a two-item minimum in the showroom, but hey, look, you know, a couple of beers, you know. Uh, a, a, a Coke and some pretzels. That's all you need, man. And you're going to have a lot of fun for a great cause. Get some great laughs in there as well. That's the comedy show Toy Drive over at Wiley's Comedy Club at 110 Pine Street in Dayton, Ohio. Call 937-224-JOKE or go to Wiley'sComedy.com to reserve your spot there. I'm so looking forward to the show, guys. You have no idea. Also, if you guys want to hear me on another show altogether, uh, I got to show up on the We Did a Thing podcast. Their episode with me dropped today, so make sure you go check that out on SoundCloud and uh, listen to me talk with some great funny guys who I've known for a long time. Uh, they put me to the test as far as my knowledge of film and metal, and uh, you guys should go listen to that. It's a great episode. Uh, just plug it away. Plug, plug, plug it away. Uh, so yeah, that's We Did a Thing. Uh, hosted by Travis Diffenderfer and Patrick Buchanan, and that is available on SoundCloud, so make sure you guys go check that out. And like the Facebook page, too. I'll get links to all that stuff down in the description of this. want to remind you guys that this show is, in fact, brought to you by ShadowMagic.online. ShadowMagic.online, that is a great website where you can go pick up clothes 
for the metalheads and the Wiccans and the Pagans and the goth kids in your life, or for yourself if you're one of those, or you just like the designs. Uh, their, their main thing is they put really cool goth and metal and Wiccan uh, uh, symbols and artwork onto light-colored clothing for when it's hot outside. But you can still get it on some awesome black shirts as well now that we're getting into the colder season. They've also got their Blood Wizard line, which is big all-over graphics on dark blood-red tees as my phone dings against me. They've also got pullover and zip-up hoodies and all kinds of other great stuff for men and women on there. Uh, they are a sponsor of this show. You can use the code HOLIDARK, H-O-L-I-D-A-R-K, to get a total whopping 15% off your purchase at the end of your checkout process. Also, they are now showcasing some awesome custom designs they did just for me. Uh, I've got links to those in the description of this as well. And can I get a drum roll, please? Shadow Magic is now playing host to two, that's right, two different Eventide Entertainment podcast t-shirts. Uh, you can get a Mike Talks Funny logo t-shirt, or you can get a uh, logo t-shirt for the drive-in. Those are available as well. Make sure you guys check those out. Once again, just go to shadowmagic.online for more information on that. But don't just take my word for it. Let's listen to, uh, let's listen to this guy. Goths, metalheads, wiccans, vampires. If there's one thing they all have in common, it's their all-black wardrobes. And nothing is a bigger enemy of black clothing than the endless summertime heat. But fear not. Shadow Magic is here to alleviate your suffering. Original symbolic design set in light-colored clothing lets you be yourself without the heat stroke. Go to shadowmagic.online and use the promo code HOLIDARK to receive 15% off your entire order at Shadow Magic store. Shadow Magic, represent the darkness without melting in the sun. So I'm a big fan of a band called Bad Wolves. You guys probably know them for their legendary cover of uh zombie by the cranberries that's like one of the biggest songs in the world right now and uh, they've been on tour with uh, nothing more and breaking benjamin and five figure death punch just taking over the world uh, i'm a big fan of tommy vexed who's the singer for the band i uh, follow him on instagram i love his posts uh, uh the dude is very much involved in his relationship he's got a wonderful uh relationship that he is very public about with uh, model Tawny Taylor. Uh, the two of them are uh, just super affectionate with each other, and, and uh, they love posting stuff on Instagram about each other. And uh, I love Tommy because lately he's been calling out all the uh, all the, the girls, the women who have been sending him nude photos on Twitter and Instagram because, you know, that's a thing. Um, and uh, he recently posted a thing that said, just remember when you send me nudes, you're sending her nudes. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a weird, weird world we live in where, uh, it's just where this kind of thing still goes on where women are like, I really like this guy's, this, this celebrity's music. Uh, he's so famous. He's a famous rock star. I'm going to send him pictures of my tits. Cause you know, that'll lead to something, I guess. I don't know. Um, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird thing to me. I, I can't imagine ever sending a picture of my penis to Anna Kendrick. I just I don't see myself um, ever doing that. It's just not a thing. Um, and I know there are guys out there who do that. Um, and if, if y'all could stop, that'd be great. Let's just, can we just not send pictures of our genitals uh, uh, to 
to famous people or anybody for that matter, unless we're specifically asked. Can we just not do that? That being said, uh, I want to send a message out to Tommy Vexed. Dude, if you got women sending you nudes, man, uh, and you need somebody to help you get rid of them, just uh, just send them my way, man. Just send them to me. I'll uh, I'll make sure they're taken care of properly. We'll 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 we'll, we'll, we'll get this figured out together, buddy. I got you. I got you, man. Um, anyway, that being said, my guest on the show today uh, is a fantastic comedian from the Cincinnati area. Uh, it was a wonderful conversation I got to have with her. Uh, I look forward to working with her in the future. She is a, a fantastic, intelligent person who is also very funny. And uh, I hope you guys, her name is Kelly Horan. Uh, you can follow her uh, on on Instagram and Twitter. All the links to that are down in the description. Um, and she's a lot of fun. This is a great conversation. Um, I, and if you want to hear the full, unedited conversation, you guys can become a supporter for me on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Comedy, and you can check out unedited interviews there, as well as other great, fantastic rewards you can get for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, I offer all kinds of stuff. Just make sure you guys go check that out. And make sure you check out my website at www.mikeshakecomedy.com for more information on all other things going on. With that being said, we're going to take a break. We're going to listen to some stuff. And when we come back, we've got my interview with Kelly Haran. You guys don't want to miss this episode, so stick around. My fellow Americans, as some of you have heard by now, I have been nominated to be Dayton.com's Best Local Comedian of 2018. So many of you reached out and submitted my name for nomination, and I thank you for that. I am honored to be one of your selected nominees and look forward to the coming weeks as the votes of the good citizens of this city begin to trickle in. Being your Best Local Comedian would be a great privilege for me, but I can't do it without your help. I am asking you to please go to www.dayton.com and cast your vote in this election. You can vote once per day, and voting ends December 26th. That gives you all plenty of time to cast your votes for me daily. If elected, I promise to perform on stage as much as possible for the entire year of 2019 while continuing to provide you with continuous laughter and joy. Thank you all for your time, and may your first child be a masculine one. Brought to you by the committee with nothing better to do with their time. I'm Mike Shea, and I approve this message. Hey guys, Mike Shea here. In 2017, my father passed away after a year-long battle with FLIT3 leukemia, a rare and aggressive form of blood cancer. But he wasn't alone. Every three minutes, someone in the U.S. is diagnosed with a form of blood cancer. And despite all the medical progress of the modern age, more than a third of blood cancer patients still don't survive five years after their diagnosis. You can help end the suffering by donating to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. They are the leading edge of cures for all forms of blood cancer. They provide free, highly specialized information, education, and support. In 2015, they provided over $41.8 million to patients in the U.S. To donate, simply go to facebook.com slash Comedy and click the Learn More button. Every little bit helps. For more information, go to www.lls.org. Hey guys, welcome back to Mike Talks Funny. I am on the Skype lines with Kelly Horan. Is it Horan or Horan? Horan. Horan. Oh, I was, didn't get it right either time. Awesome. Kelly Horan is here, and, and she is talking with us. Kelly, how are you today? 
I'm great. How are you? I, I am doing just fine. Thank you. So you're the first person to ask me that back. Is that right? Everyone's always just like, I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. It's like, all right, cool. I'm uh, doing good too, but thanks for not asking. <laughs> well, the streak is broken. Yay. Bunch of rude, rude motherfuckers out there, rude I guess. Motherfuckers. Yeah. Rude. Yeah. Rude. <laughs> so, Kelly, you are you are a comedian? That's right. How long have you been a comedian? I have been a stand-up comedian for about two years, two years. On, a very, on a very amateur level, yes. I've been doing it for 13 years on an amateur level, so you... Is that right? That is right. Um, you got my start in high school. Wow. I am very jealous. <laughs> uh, I am so, very jealous. So you're, why are you jealous of that, though? Oh, I just think, like, what a fun, you know, use of your time. Like, you're, you made good use of time with a, a great, great audience. You know what Aww. I mean? Thank I you. mean, don't, don't you think so? Like, I, your, I, your peers are, con- are kind of like family. I feel like my comedy is forged in my family's, like, um, we have a very high standard of comedy. And so being able to make my family laugh was a very wonderful treat and made me a good comedian. And I think the same probably holds true for like our close friends who love us, like high school friends do, you know, they hold you to a high, they don't, they aren't afraid to be like, that's not funny. And then when you make them laugh, it's like this, you know, you know how to do it. See, that's That's my, that's my philosophy. In in high school, because I, I, I'm from all over the place, so where I was in high school, I was down in South Carolina, and, mm-hmm. and there was no comedy scene when I was 16. Uh huh. No clubs, no, you know, you had to be 21 to get into the bars, so there weren't really a whole lot of open mics for kids my for someone my age, so it was relying solely on high school talent shows for two years. Oh, yeah. how interesting. And that was not something that I grew up with, the talent show idea. Um, but again, I'm just, I'm just so impressed that you also like knew you had a craft that you wanted to work on in high school. Um, at all. I felt, I feel like I was very aimless until my mid to late twenties. Um, when I, that's when I, no, no, no. I actually got started only two years ago and I just turned 41 last week. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I spent a lot of my like twenties being what I call now a professional fan. I lived in a, in a creative community of in Vermont and everyone I knew was, um, in a band or like produced art in some way. And so I was a very faithful and very, um, I like honed the craft of being an audience member. And then I realized I could also like stuff and I could also produce art. And that's when I started to produce anything. And then I only started doing stand-up two years ago. But I've always been a fan of comedy. And like I said, I'm jealous of your high school experience because I knew very early that, that comedy was something that I loved and that I was good at because I could make the people in my family laugh, which... Like I said, they, there's a very high standard for laughter in our house. We're a big a family who appreciates comedy. So it was like very early that I honed that craft, but I didn't even realize it was something I could do anything with until recently. And how's that been going? How's, how's this first, you know, those first two years 
are are it's it's like being a child. The first two years. Oh, I mean, you're so right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could talk for a while about all the different aspects of this beginning, um, for sure. Yeah. Right. I feel really lucky to be in the Cincinnati scene because I think, um, it's so supportive. Um, and that is something I encountered when I lived in Vermont, um, because people, I think Cincinnati, uh, has a unique, um, appreciation for art. And I think that manifests in a number of different ways. And I think Burlington, Vermont, where I used to live, is that same kind of crucible. Um, and so it's cool to come up in a time, in a place where everyone's like, yeah, I hope you, you know, like, I want to give you stage time. And I hope, and that joke was funny. And they give you, like, val- valuable, valid feedback um, because they want you to succeed. Because they get that, like, it, it's, zero, it's, it's, it's not laughter is not like a zero sum. I don't know if I'm using that phrase correctly, but like if I laugh at you, I can also have the capacity to laugh at other people. And so it does everyone a world of good to make the whole room laugh all night long. Um, and Cincinnati gets that. And so I feel really lucky to be coming up right now in that time. Um, but you're so right when you say it's like a child, because I like, literally have have to focus on just one aspect of training at any given time and recently it's been walking and like limiting walking on the stage and or or how to use movement and trying to incorporate that because when you're not doing when you've not done stand-up comedy you just think oh i just have to get up and be funny um or and it's so much more than that it's more than just your words and it's how to use your body and it's how to use the stage. And when that realization hits you in the early stages of your, you know, journey, um, it, it can be one of those like make or break moments because if you don't know how to, to explore that and do that work, then it can be really scary and you just end up looking really awkward on stage and then you kind of phase yourself out. I, I think, but, um, yeah, I've spent a lot of my recent uh, years as an athlete in um, doing tra- training for marathons and um, training people for marathons. And so the physicality of, of the work is um, something that translates really easily into stand-up comedy in a way. Um, and so it's that same idea, again, of childlike behavior of learning how to like eat, prepare for shows, how to, how to sustain, you know, how to not get drunk before shows, how to not be a part of that party atmosphere. All of that learning is happening now and it's exciting, but it's hard. It is. And we haven't even talked about writing jokes. (laughs) Like none of that is about how hard it is to write a fucking joke. You know, the the thing about writing jokes, and I think a lot of, (laughs) a, a lot of comics don't understand this. A lot of people who don't, who don't know anything about comedy understand this. There is no, singular process to writing a joke no no there's it's yeah process for writing a script there's a process for writing you know different types of poetry when it comes to writing comedy right is all about the individual yeah yeah that's really true i mean and it's it's almost why it's easier to imitate people than it is to write your own material um but you're so right and and, um, the, I was funny, I was just talking to a comedian friend last night, we we're having dinner and 
I was, you know, we were talking about our sets that we did this summer and, um, I have a set I'm really proud of. I have a five minutes that I'm really, really proud of. And I'm also hitting that sort of valley where you're like, Oh no, will I never write anything, you know, that, how did I write that? <laughs> you know, like you, you did it yourself and you're already questioning how it, how it even happened. Um, and it, but it's true. You get wrapped up in, in, um, trying too hard or, or, or thinking that there is something you can hang on. And it's really not, it's about exploring an idea and then giving it a story around it that makes sure that the audience is following along and comes to that conclusion with you. Um, it's so fascinating as a process. What, how do you approach, you know, now being so much more advanced in your career than I am? Like, how do you think your, your approach has changed in that regard? My, my approach has changed considerably, uh, if for no other reason than because I got to a point um, in 2012 where I stepped away for two years. Yeah. I was finishing my degree and where I was at at school um, was in this tiny little town in the middle of nowhere. There was uh, nowhere in town that did any kind of open mic. And the school had a ban on stand-up comedy. Whoa. Um, it's, that, that's a, it's, a, it's a weird, long, confusing story that unfortunately is partially my fault. But the school <laughs> had this mm-hmm. ban on doing stand-up. And so I was like, well, I'm here finishing my degree. I, I don't have anywhere to go. So I, and, and I was also kind of at a point where I was, I was frustrated with it. So I stepped away because... for years and was finishing my... I, I, was, I was frustrated with it because um, when I was doing stand-up at that point, I'd been in the college scene for a bit, even when I... Because I, I went to college, then took a break from college, was still doing stand-up, then went back to college. And what I found is just the college scene, because that was pretty much the only exposure I could get at that point, um, was not good. And mm-hmm. you know, Jerry Seinfeld has talked about this. Dave Chappelle has talked about this. Chris Rock has talked about this. Performing for college kids is a nightmare. Uh, the college scene is so... Um, uh, it's just so conflicted. Hmm. And uh, college kids, for the most part, just in my experience, don't know how to behave at a comedy show. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it just... It wasn't... It wasn't... I was miserable doing stand-up because you know before the band took place doing it at at the shows on campus would be like i'd be up on stage telling jokes and the person who was running the soundboard would intentionally like turn the comics microphones on and off to screw with them Mm. to make it funnier because oh look it's funny now you got to work around it haha i'm part of the show and yeah. there was a night where I, where where the lady who the lady from student activities who was running the mic was was doing it, and I said that wasn't cool, and she said, "Well, it's just part of the show, Mike." And I and I told her to fuck off, and I walked off stage. Uh, and at that point, I was like, "I just I'm just done uh, for now," and I needed to focus. Yeah. on Finishing school, and so when I came back, when I got done with school and was living back back in the city that was that I lived in, um, the comedy scene in that area had finally started to grow. Uh, there's actually there's a there's a comedian from Ohio named John Gibson who had moved down there and was uh-huh. vitalizing the scene there in 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 the south in the Midland South Carolina area 
and that's what got me to come back. But two years away from comedy, comedy in general had changed considerably. Uh huh. And so having to the way the way that I used to write jokes and and the, the type of jokes that I used to write just didn't work anymore. You know, like mm-hmm. with anything, I had to evolve with the times. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been it's been a bit of a struggle since then to really find my footing again and come up with a new process. But right now, I kind of just rely on the old tested and true. If I have an idea, I jot down some notes. I try to find a way to work it, and uh, I tell it you know a thousand times until I find the wording or until I decide it's just dead. Mm-hmm. And I go I go from there. Yeah. Do you feel like you have a specific voice or like a characterization or do you, do you subscribe to that? I, I mean, um, I, I have a black belt in self-deprecation. Mm. Uh, that's, that's, I, that's that. But no, I think for me, it's, it's hard because I'm one of those people where the exterior doesn't match the interior. Mm. Personality wise, I'm nerdy. I love heavy metal and action movies and, but I'm also a huge film snob, so like when I watch, when I talk about what I didn't like about a movie, I'm talking about you know the cinematography and things like that. I'm that asshole. Mm. But when people see me, they see a well dressed guy with glasses on who, because I wear a blazer and stuff when I go up on stage, mm-hmm. and and it's it's they see a guy like me, and so they're they have an expectation when they see a comedian come up on stage, they see a comedian come up on stage who is, you know, jacked and covered in tattoos and, and has piercings, they're expecting aggressive comedy. So when that comedian does more mellow stuff, they're not sure what to think. Or where you see a guy like me, who's the opposite, who I come up on stage looking kind of mellow, but the stuff I have to talk about is darker, uh, a little more. Mm-hmm. Messed up. They're not sure how, how to react. And so finding, mm-hmm. Finding a balance and and getting the getting the audience on my side has always been the the struggle. But when it works, it pays off in spades. Yeah. What about you? What about you? What what, what would you say? Um. So I feel like my um, strength. I've always loved being in front of people. I've never been afraid to get up and talk to people. In fact. I went out to dinner with some friends from high school and uh, uh, recently and one of them was like, I've heard you're doing stand-up now. And I said, yeah. And she was like, that makes sense. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, but what, you know, I, I, or I said something like, um, I just remember I was always jealous of people with microphones. And she was like, you were, <laughs> you always were. Cause I was always like in, in you know, uh, volunteering to read announcements or, you know, be the whatever, just I, I love standing in front of people and talking. I love talking. And so it's been fun to explore this aspect of talking because I not had to get over stage fright. And so I don't have to hide behind. I feel like I can be very honest on stage. Um, because of that, I feel conscious of developing some kind of direction to that honesty. Because... When I, for a couple of reasons, one, when I'm, when I'm, um, blocked, which I, you know, experience as we all do, um, I want to kind of give, have already had a perspective so that I'm not kind of like anything would work and I just need to write about anything. 
I want to kind of keep it within um, some sort of voice. Um, the other reason is that I need some sense of honesty and like believability in order for me to want to deliver whatever it is I'm delivering. Um, I have a really hard time lying, like making up a story. I'm really okay at improv. I'm not great at it and it doesn't thrill me. Um, I love watching it, but I, participating in it is, it, it is a little bit, my feelings about it are a little bit primal. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with some trust issues, but when it comes to stand up, I have a really hard time just kind of making things up and then going with them. I prefer to have, I need some aspect of reality. Now that's not to say that I can't tell a story. For example, if you told me a story that was funny, I would have very little problem retelling it as though I were the main character, but only because I've heard it and I've reinterpreted it by listening to you tell it. But if you were like, Hey Kelly, go on stage and like in the, on the fly, make up a character and then tell a story from that perspective, which was a show I just had to do last week. I had a, I had a very hard time. I had a month and a half to prepare and I had a very hard time with it, developing a character and developing an authentic story that I felt I could sell. And so I ended up to, doing something that was a, an amalgam of other stories and it didn't come off very well, but I felt at least more comfortable delivering it. All of this is to say that um, I find myself right now interested in creating a character, interested in developing a voice, but not necessarily sure, which is why I asked would beg the question if that's a good idea or not. I find that much as you described the blazer and, and then you talk about darker material. I feel like I look like a poster child for Ann Taylor. And then when I get up and I'm like, you know, talking my, my, I just did funniest person in Cincinnati this summer and my opening joke um, is about how my pussy looks like a roast beef sandwich and <laughs> nobody expects to hear that from me. And uh, even people who have seen it are like, find it absolutely hysterical. And I, I find that it hasn't damaged my reputation at all. I still look like an anti, like a fucking poster child for Ann Taylor. In fact, I had a show the other night at a, at uh, Urban Artifact and they were having, this was a couple months ago and they were having a metal fest. And I told the story about my first metal show where I got uh, jacked in the face and I broke my nose. And, um, and I said, I look like my, I was like, I'm going to tell you about my first mosh pit. And I was like, I know I look like the closest I've ever come to a mosh pit is like black Friday at Ann Taylor. <laughs> and it, and it, and it killed. And then I went on to tell the, the roast beef, you know, my pussy looks like a roast beef sandwich later in the, in the show. And then I talk about how I, I hate 69ing and I feel like it all lines up. Like they, I don't look less like an Ann Taylor cover girl. And I don't look, you know, more like someone who's like a prude. I just like get to be, and a little bit of that is the privilege of being a woman in 2018, which is, um, we're all exploring consciously, you know, whether it's in the news or in our personal lives, 
the complexity of what it means to have to the female experience. And I think that's a great thing. And it's exciting to be in comedy, be a woman in comedy right now. Um, it's a good thing. It's a, you know, gets you work. And that's very complex. That's a very complex topic to talk about. Um, but it's helpful <laughs> right now. And, and that's interesting. Part of the benefit of that is, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, part of the benefit is that I found that a lot of bookers have been a lot more accommodating as far as booking female comedians, at least locally, because they know that if they book the guy comedian and he goes up and says something, let, let's say, you know, off color audiences for in the current social climate are not as receptive to it, mostly because of the evil horrendous shit men have been doing lately or getting caught doing anyway um and whereas with with women it's it's been one of those things of it's it hasn't been expected because it's not mm. something that's that's been the norm in comedy in 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 a while and now with comedians like you know uh Eliza schlesinger and nikki glazer who have been you know coming out and showing that the women can do the harder raunchier more intense stuff just as well as the guys audiences love that because not that women haven't had dirty sense of humor for years, but now they're openly sharing it and people are like, what this is, it's like seeing a unicorn. Mm. I, uh, I respectfully disagree with you. I think that it's, 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 I think that bookers are booking ladies because ladies are watching comedy and women, women are doing comedy. And so it behooves them to book. I think that, I don't think you're wrong that that bookers are booking females consciously. What I I think what I what I disagree with respectfully is that they they just want someone to say these jokes and right now ladies are the ones who are allowed to say that. I do I I only think I only say that because I think it's a problematic. Well, number 1, if you look at female comedians, there have been a, female comedians that got famous were clean. That's true. But there were female comedians, Drone Rivers is one, um, who were talking about dirty things and were always talking about Moms Mabley, who was one of the first comedians, was ta- talked about how she slept with younger men and in her act. And it was funny because she was an old lady and people didn't expect it. You're right about that. But I don't think that um, people are like, well, I just want someone to talk about fucking underage, not underage. I want someone to talk about fucking younger boys or younger women. It, it, it's fine if it's a woman. It's fine if it's a man. I, I, I think that right now what's happening is that women are watching comedy more and they're feeling like they can, they can come to see comedy. And also more women are on. I mean, it's just fun to see a diverse set. What I, what I think is a bummer, if I may, is when men when male bookers and female bookers do this too and it's a second it's a it's a double bummer well they only put one woman on or they say i've got a woman and that is frustrating and the other the thing that's insidiously frustrating about that is that it keeps women separate because what happens is we begin to believe that there's only one space for us and so we push ourselves aside and that's when women bookers only put one woman on the show. 
or they want to be the only woman on the show. And you're like, man, it's about comedy and it has to be about comedy. And it, it, it's not that I don't want to hear a dick joke because there's some dick jokes that are really, really funny. My friend uh, Blake Hammond has a dick joke that is hilarious and it's just objectively funny. I don't know if it's funnier if you are have a dick, but it's real funny to me, and I don't. <laughs> um, but it, so at the end of the day, it has to be about the joke because I guarantee you nobody's booking Blake Hammond and then booking another comedian going, I'm going to make sure this next comedian doesn't have a dick joke. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And And if – you know, and my friend uh, – I have another guy friend who has a hilarious pregnancy test joke. It's just a funny joke. I don't know if it would be funnier if a girl told it because part of the reason I like like it is because I know how um, good of a person Lee is and how uh, he's a ally on and off the stage. So it's cool. It's a cool like thing that he is – I don't want to say like in touch with himself, but like knows enough about the female experience to write an authentic pregnancy test joke. That's not necessarily from the male perspective. It's agnostically a great joke. Um, but it's funnier because almost because he's telling it, but that does not mean that the female voice needs to be excluded. And my friend Molly and I last night, um, were discussing period jokes and I have a joke, um, that involves my period, but, I have a hard time telling it because I don't want to be a female comedian. I'm a comedian. Right. And, but it's, it's, it's this balance of like, I want to tell jokes from my perspective. My perspective is underrepresented for many different reasons. Um, but one of them is, you know, the you being the female. Um, and so, that responsibility can be tough. It can't be tough. It's yeah, it can be tough. Um, but it, it is nice to have the spotlight right now. Um, and, and I feel very hopeful that my sisters will know what to do when they have, when they, when they get it, when it shines on us as it is now. Um, so, yeah, no, end I, rant <laughs> off soapbox. <laughs> no, that's, I feel that's why things. We do the show. That's why we yeah. do the show. Is as I yeah. want. I love bringing on comedians to talk about. Like you can bring comedians onto a show and and just go back and forth making dick jokes at each other. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but there's a there's a deeper side to comedy that I don't think gets explored very often. And I think that not every comic is, oh, yeah. is equipped to talk about. It. I think some comics are just there for the yucks and more power to you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, went, I went and saw the Meg. Why? Because I wanted to watch a giant shark eat shit and Jason Statham. You know, make oh fuck yeah, I, I oh goddamn yeah. I, I still want to go. I still want to go see a Star Is Born because it looks like a fantastic movie. But sure. Uh, um, but I remember we we in, in up here in Dayton we have quite a few. Uh, 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 female comedians who are mm-hmm. who are honestly, as a guy, they're funnier than most of the guys. Uh, they're funnier than most of the guys up here, objectively. And it's so it's so frustrating when I go to shows 
and they'll be booking, you know, uh, a big show, and it'll be 15 comics and one of the women. And it's mm-hmm. like, there's, there's a similar problem in the heavy metal community where mm-hmm. they always talk about female-fronted metal bands. I'm sorry. Yeah. Female-fronted's not a genre. Right, it's, it's not. not. A, there's it's, so, that's some yeah. Of these, some of these female vocalists are doing the growls and the singing and the screams, yeah, and that better than some of the dudes, yeah, and are putting out better music. It's but it's not a genre, right? So it's like, yeah. We've already, we've already got a female fronted band on the ticket. Cool, put two on there. I don't give a damn. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Why don't you just put a band on? Um, you should look up a venue in Burlington, Vermont, called Two Four Two Main. It was actually um, championed by Jane Sanders, uh, wife of Bernie Sanders. And um, it started almost 30 years ago, 35 years ago. Gosh. Um, and I, I was only a part of I was only a part of its gravitational pull for a few years. But it was a metal club. It was an all-ages club. It was um, a substance-free uh, cement block. And a lot of bands played there. Um, and it we just celebrated their anniversary, gosh, in 2017, right the day after the inauguration of Hellfire and Brimstone. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about how male-centric it was and how difficult it was and remains. Um, Burlington's a really small town. Uh, to be a punk or, uh, you know, a metal girl. Um, I think that that's a shame. It is a, it's such a shame and it's, it's too bad that, you know, it's gendered in that way because I'm, I'm, I know that there's that exists on the other side of the spectrum, right? Where there's dudes who are not allowed to you know, not welcome to like, um, I don't know, whatever. And that's, and that's, it's, it's, a, it's too bad. We, we recently had a, a conversation on the Cincinnati, um, stand up comedians, Facebook page about, uh, all girls shows, if they are welcoming to men. And it was a great conversation. I'm glad that we had it because it was better than not having it, but it was frustrating to see, Frustrating feels unfair because these are my friends, um, certainly. But it was it was hard to to see that there was like people that thought that they should stay away from any comedy show, you know, and that that people thought that you should not let people at comedy shows. Now I'm not talking about individuals. Don't let assholes who are being assholes go to comedy shows. Right. But it would bum me out if they were like, hey, we're going to have a show and like only people who like dogs can go. Right. I, I, I don't like dogs. That's that's a oh. true fact about Kelly Horan. I don't like dogs. Um, well, the interview's over, guys. That's it. I know, dogs. right? Uh, I know. <laughs> Somebody said today, like, put in your most unpopular opinion on Facebook. And I was like, I don't like dogs. And they were like, that is brave. Um, I don't, and I don't want to pet your dog and I don't, I love your love for your animal, whatever it may be, but I don't want that in my life. Um, but it's, you know, 
I know how self-select out of dog centric opportunities, but I would be bummed out if preemptively they were like, here's a thing that you, you enjoy and you can't enjoy it if you don't like dogs. And it's the same with gender and comedy. It's like bums me out to think that there would be anybody that was like, the show is not for you. Unless you don't like jokes about roast beef looking pussies, because (laughs) if you don't like that, then my comedy is not for you. I, I did that joke, actually, one of the first times that I ever did stand-up, I did a joke that was similar to that. It wasn't it wasn't the joke I did this summer, but it was similar. And this girl came up to me after the show. It was literally the first time I ever did stand-up. This is, this is true. And uh, she came up to me after the show, and she goes, oh, my God, you were so amazing. Can I buy you a drink? And I was like, fuck, yeah. Like, I'm already getting paid to do comedy. <laughs> and... Um, she was like, I'm so excited. It was so cool to, to see you like you're, cause I was the only girl on the bill and she was like, so great. And I was like, thank you. Did you like my jokes? And she goes, Oh, I didn't listen to you. Oh my God. She goes, I, <laughs> yeah, she goes, Oh, I just sat here. I saw that you were a girl. And then I went back to talking and I was, and, and I was like, Oh, it, I mean, it was, I was crushed. Cause I was like, it was literally the first time I'd ever done stand up, And I, you know, it was a dumb open mic, but I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> this is such a roller coaster. <laughs> and, uh, and it was weirder too, because I did my, my opening line that night was like, um, you know, when you put a mirror between your legs and you and you look at your own vagina and the, the, I, de- I delivered that line in front of college students at UC at like a, at like a cafe on the UC campus. So it was like, 25 people, 27 of them were dudes. Mm. And they're just looking back at me and I was like, yeah, you know, when you look at your own vagina. And they were like, no. But they did laugh at the end of it because I'm, <laughs> I'm a good comedian. And, and I think there's two, there's two kinds of audience members. There's the ones who go in there with, the menta- with an open mind and are able to – Put themselves in other people's shoes, like the guys at the show. If you if you tell a joke about using a mirror to look at your own vagina, a regular person, guy or girl, would be able to sit there and think about it and go, "Hey, you know what? That's funny, right? I can right because I'm a human being and I am empty. right, right." But then you get those assholes right. who go to the show. It's like, well, I don't have a vagina, so how am right. I expected to think this is right. funny? Or the women right. who go, I don't have testicles, so why should testicle jokes be amusing to me? Right, you right. Put yourself in other people's shoes and think, hey, you know what? If I was right. in that situation, that'd be fucking funny. Yeah. The the human community is lacking in empathy right now. It's a sick, it's de- devastating epidemic that we are in, and it's very frustrating to me as an empath uh, and as someone who... I, I'm a performer. Uh, I don't do comedy because I truly think that what I have to say is the smartest thing in the world. I do it because people laugh and that gives me a little like brain chemistry, like voodoo, but it also brings them joy, which is like an extra, like, uh, like so good. And I just don't get the fucking people on the planet right now who are like, I, I refuse to put myself in someone else's shoes. I abjectly refuse to serve others. That is not my philosophy. That is not why we're on this earth. Heaven definitely want to get into that. 
but it's not going to be through like quote unquote helping people. It, bu- it bums me out. It bums me out, man. Sorry. No, you're good. That's why we do the show. I know. You keep telling me that. (laughs) We are going to finally take a break. When we come back, I'm going to put Kelly through the ringer. That sounded a lot less dirty in my head than I meant for it. No, I I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're going to do, we're going to come back. We're going to do three minutes of rapid fire questions, guys. So stick around right after the break. Ah, hello there. My name is Wallace J. Crumplebottom, and when it's early in the morning, there's nothing that gets me ready for a long day of bean counting quite like a good breakfast. And there's no better breakfast than a brand new episode of The Breakfast Lads. Take it from me, I'm British, so I must know what I'm talking about. Tune in every Wednesday at 8am for a brand new episode of The Breakfast Lads, brought to you by Eventide Entertainment. Hey guys, it's Mike Shea, and it's time for this week's Comedy Rundown, brought to you by Wiley's Comedy Club. Go to www.wileyscomedy.com or call 937-224-JOKE to reserve your tickets today. Friday and Saturday, Wiley's will play host to Todd McComas. Friday's show starts at 8 p.m., and Saturday's doubleheader of shows both start at 7.15 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. Tickets are $15 online or $20 at the door. And Sunday is time for Wiley's annual Toy Drive Comedy Show. Simply bring a children's book, toy, or coloring book to cover your admission. You can also reserve your seats online for only $5. That'll do it for this week's Comedy Rundown. As always, go to www.wileyscomedy.com or call 937-224-JOKE for more information. And now, back to the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We're still sitting here with Kelly Horan. Did I say it right that time? Haran. Haran, son of a bitch. <laughs> Haran. I'll get it right by the time this is over. And uh, cool. we are we we are going to do three minutes of rapid fire questions with Kelly. Uh, uh, Kelly, do you feel like you're ready? I am always ready. That is fantastic. All right, here we go. In three, two, one. All right. If a penguin walks through the door right now wearing a sombrero. Do you cuddle him? No, the sombrero makes it too wide to hug. Definitely. <laughs> what is your biggest addiction? Television. What's wow? What celebrity annoys you the most? Oh my god, Kim Kardashian. Yes. Uh, how do you like your steak cooked? I don't. Oh really? Well, rare, but I don't. I don't prefer steak. No. Gotcha. What's a nickname your parents used to call you? Kells. Kells. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or speak to animals? Oh, speak every language in the world. Fill in the blank. Taylor Swift is? Uh, who? <laughs> okay. uh, would, you rather Burn! <laughs> would you rather have invisibility or super strength? Mm. Oof, super strength. Is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? <laughs> they should exclusively eat animal crackers. <laughs> Do you ever post inspirational quotes on social media? Every fucking once in a while. Fuck. Have you ever worn socks with sandals? Uh, no, that no, that's ridiculous. Nobody does that. Is double dipping at a party ever acceptable? <clears throat> Always acceptable. Eat the dip. Eat it with your fingers. Eat. Eat the dip. 
are lifeguards attractive? Yeah, I was a lifeguard, so automatic yes. There you go. Do you have a shred of respect for Kanye West? Absolutely. Yeah, dude, shit moves me, man. He's a crazy motherfucker. <laughs> but I'm sorry, Stronger is a good song to run to. Which is better, Godfather or Star Wars? Star Wars. Yes. Is it ever appropriate to use the word dapper? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you don't like dogs, so I'll skip that question. Um, are women complicated? Yes. Yeah, men are too. We suck. Yes, uh, human beings are complicated. It's amazing. Right. It. Would you rather eat a stale Sour Patch Kid or a fresh circus peanut? Oh, oh, oh! Stale Sour Patch Kid. Uh, that sounds every, like every time. gourmet. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know how to salsa dance? No. Scale of one to ten, how good are you at wiffle ball? Uh, negative 11 teen. <laughs> What's your ideal outside temperature? Ooh, like 59. Fuck yes. Have you ever slapped yeah. someone in the face? No, and I want to. It's a great feeling. Uh, I all, want to. It's almost as arousing as getting a good laugh. What is your favorite type of muffin? Ooh, uh, ooh, good question. I like, I, I like a, like, zucchini, like a, like a savory ish muffin okay last question if kim kardashian and donald trump are both drowning and you could only fuck one, who would it be? them i would save myself <laughs> i would save myself and, and i would eat the dip eat the dip america kelly horan eat ladies and gentlemen horan kelly horan oh my god cool. i'm so bad cool. at this <laughs> you can you can you you can follow me on instagram a Kelly who ran. It's my running inspirational. I actually have an inspirational Instagram. Okay. I have two Instagram accounts, and one of them is inspirational. From That's how on, fucking. I'm only calling you Kells who ran. That's yes, do it, do it. Kells who ran forever. Kells who ran. Kelly, Love it. Kelly Huran, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I, you are welcome back anytime. Um, Guys, we are going to go ahead and take another break. And when we come back, we'll have your musical guest of the day. Stick around. We got a lot more show right after this. Talking about movies is what Aaron Lopez does best. We are talking about the greatest showman. Thor Ragnarok. Love, Simon. Hereditary. With an army of special guests. Jordan Lopez. Aaron Brewer. Jack Elliott. My good friend Carly. Special moments you don't want to miss. The very first ever drunk drive-in. We are more looking at the Oscar nominations. So grab some snacks and a cold drink. Let's all go to the lobby, refill your drinks. Every Thursday. Eventide Entertainment presents The Drive-In. Hey guys, Mike here. You know, a lot of time and effort goes into this podcast, and I want you guys to be a part of the process. Become a supporter by going to patreon.com slash Comedy, And for as little as a dollar a month, you can help this show get better and better. Get access to all kinds of awesome content like comedy show tickets, unedited interviews, live streams, and so much more. Once again, just go to patreon.com slash Comedy and help support the show. And now it's time for The Roast of Mike Shea. This has been The Roast of Mike Shea. 
Hey guys, we have reached that part of the show where it's time for me to share with you some awesome music from out there in the world. Now, this guy is straight out of Dayton, Ohio. Goes by the name of the Literary Squirrel. And uh, he, you know what? He writes some really interesting stuff. There's no really way for me to describe it. You guys just got to hear it and enjoy it. So, without further ado, with his song, Father Time, I give you The Literary Squirrel.
All right, guys, that's going to do it for our show this week. I want to give a special thanks to my good, my new best friend, Kells Huran, Kelly Huran, for coming on the show. What a great conversation that was. And a big thank you to the Literary Squirrel for letting us use his music on today's show. Guys, make sure you go to my website, www.mikeshaycomedy, for all the information you need on where to see me live. We'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode, our final episode of 2018. You guys don't want to miss it. It's going to be a good one. Until then, live well, rock on. Bye-bye. Closed captioning of this program was brought to you by Nobody. It's a podcast. Seriously, if you're deaf, why are you here? Heat wave ahead. For four days only, it's the sizzling hot summer sale at JCPenney. Thursday through Sunday, shop select men's and women's tees in all new bright colors. Just $5 for her and $7.99 for him. Plus, pick up select home expressions bath towels, two for $7. All these deals and no coupon needed. Hurry in, but stay cool. These deals are sizzling. JCPenney. Offers valid 627 to 630. Exclusions apply. See store jcp.com for details. Heat wave ahead. For four days only, it's the sizzling hot summer sale at JCPenney. Thursday through Sunday, shop select men's and women's tees in all new bright colors. Just $5 for her and $7.99 for him. Plus, pick up select home expressions bath towels, two for $7.00. All these deals and no coupon needed. Hurry in, but stay cool. These deals are sizzling. JCPenney. Offers valid 627 to 630. Exclusions apply. See store jcp.com for details.